Amen. Uh, recently, we've been learning about the heart of the Father. Well, by the way, last week we had Friendship Sunday, and uh, uh, it was a good time. Amen? Amen. I just want to thank all the people that prepared their cardboard testimonies. Uh, come on up here, unashamed, uh, to speak out and to declare and share what God has done in their lives. And many of the testimonies that, are, that were up here last week, I just want to... I just want to say that God can do the same thing for you. What God has done for these, God can do for you. Hallelujah. That's why we tell testimonies. Hallelujah. Because we believe that a testimony is like a prophetic word that goes out. When you hear it, you don't have to be like, oh, that's good for them, but what does that have to do with me? No, it's like a prophetic word that's going out to you. God did it for them, and God will do it for you. So I hope that you guys will receive that and believe that and trust that, and God will do it in your life. Amen. Uh, recently, we have been learning about the, oh, I found the old big one. That's me. I'm keeping that. Finders keepers, brother. All right. You know, back when I was growing up, every penny I would find, I would pick it up. My mom always told me to pick up all them pennies. And she said I'd be rich one day. Well, you know, I guess it was, yeah, anyway. I, I, we bought, I used to buy Swedish fish with them, so, you know, the pennies weren't a waste. You, back then, you get Swedish fish for, for a penny. Anyway, but let's get back to the Word of God. Okay, keep your Bible open to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now, recently, we've been learning about the heart of the Father. And we've been learning that the Father is really big on honor. On honor. The Father relates and builds up His sons through honor. He doesn't resort to shame, guilt, manipulation, or condemnation. He uses honor to raise up His children. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, When he calls to me, I will honor him. God is not afraid to honor his children. The Bible says in Psalm 84:11, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Brothers and sisters, a culture of the kingdom of God is a culture of royalty. And a distinguishing... Distinct, distinguishing characteristic, hallelujah, of royalty is honor. Is honor. And so, the church, we need to cultivate a culture of honor. That's what kings and princes and princesses do. How many Gongjus do we have up in the, up in the house right now? Gongjus. Princesses. Gongjubyeong. Just kidding. I mean, you guys are Kongjus. Princes. How many princes are in the house? Princes. Who thinks they have an apostle, called to be an apostle, apostle a, a kingly priestly, a kingly anointing? All right. No need to raise your hands. All right. And now, um, as God util utilizes honor to bring out the potential of his people, 
it is very important that as the people of God, we learn how to carry a culture of honor wherever we go. We learn how to give honor where honor is due, and we learn how to honor everyone just because we are a people of honor. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.17, we ought to learn how to honor everyone. Honor everyone. Sometimes we honor people that we may not want to honor. But we do it because we are honorable people. The presence of honor creates order through dignity instead of the fear of punishment. I believe that, you know, as our church moves forward and as our church grows, we're going to need to be organized. Amen? Amen? Amen. Leaders, amen? We need to be organized. Because I'm a very, it's it's a pet peeve of mine when when things are disorganized and, and things like that. And we need, we need some order, hallelujah. But we don't want to create order through, you know, through a rod and through the fear of punishment, but through honor. That's a lot harder to create order that way. But in the long run, it's going to bring forth a beautiful fruit. Now today, I'm going to preach a message called Honoring the Anointing. And this is a message that I heard while I was uh, back in Maryland for the Voice of the Apostles Conference. John not. Of Toronto Airport Church was preaching this message, and it's a message that I've been eager to share. Okay, look into Mark chapter six today, verses one through six, and we read the account of Jesus going to his hometown of Nazareth. Now, the Bible says here in verse five that while he was there, he could do no mighty work except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I want you to ask yourself, what happened in Nazareth? Was Jesus having a bad day? Was he still not used to how to flow in the anointing? Maybe he was still learning how to flow in the anointing? What happened in Nazareth? Now, just to give you some context, if you look through Mark chapters 1 through 5, These are some of the things that Jesus has already done. Jesus has cleansed lepers. He's healed a man with a withered hand. He's healed a paralytic. He's healed a woman with the issue of blood. He's casted out demons. He's calmed the storm. And he's raised a little girl from the dead. Now, I don't think Jesus was just getting his ministry. I mean, he didn't just have a bad day and he wasn't just learning how to flow in the anointing. He was already flowing in the anointing by the time he gets to Nazareth. So what happened at Nazareth? Why was it that Jesus couldn't do any mighty works there? I'll tell you what happened. The people of Nazareth failed to honor the anointing that was on Jesus. You see, instead of honoring the anointing that was flowing through Jesus... The people of Nazareth, they start to get in the flesh. They start to look through the eyes of the flesh. They start to look in the natural. And what do they see in the natural? Look at verse 2. On the Sabbath, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? 
is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, all them crazy fellows over there at the house, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. See, Nazareth missed out on their miracle because they got in the flesh. Because they were looking through the eyes of the flesh instead of the, through the Holy Spirit. They only saw Jesus in the flesh, in the natural. They didn't honor the anointing. Therefore, they did not experience the miracles and healings that the anointing brings. They just failed to honor him. As the brothers and sisters, fear, pride, unforgiveness, a critical spirit, a religious spirit, all of these things can hinder the flow of the anointing. You know, I, have, I, I, I go and I speak at different churches. And you have a whole bunch of people will come forward for prayer. And some people will come up for prayer. And I'll look at them. I'll, 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 I'll pray for them anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for anyone that comes forward. I'll look at them. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just know. Nothing's going to happen. And then there's other people that you just come near. You're just walking near them. And they, they just start shaking under the power of God. And God just starts to touch them. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, oh, oh, get ready, get ready. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, just, I just get near them and they just, the power of God starts to come upon their body. And other people, I look at them and I go, oh, wait a minute, ain't nothing happened there. You know why? Because some people come forward with this attitude, not of humility, but one of pride. Let me see what this minister's got. Let me see if. Everything he's saying is true. Let me see. Let me, let me check, it, check him out. And they just come forward and, and just, they're just like, all right, pray for him. I'll, I'll say, you know, raise your hands, brother. Raise your hands. It's a posture to receive. And they'll be like. And the thing is, there are certain things in the attitude of your heart that can hinder the anointing. That can hinder the anointing. And what we got to do is, we as the people of God, we got to learn how to remain humble and to honor the anointing wherever it is found. Wherever the Holy Spirit, wherever He's working, we got to honor the anointing there. So let's say you're a little racist. You're a little racist. Uh, how many Americans are in here? How many Americans? Raise your hands if you're American. Americans are racist. So let's just admit it, man. No other country in the world has the kind of racism that I have found in America. It's true. They say that Sunday morning is the most segregated time of the entire week in America. Say you're racist. And let's say, you know, let's say, you know, there's a there's a you know African American preacher up here. And you're like, man, I ain't getting prayer for him. He's African American. Or let's say there's some some you know Korean native. He can't speak English very well. Come on. And you, you didn't understand a single word of his message, but you did understand the altar call. <laughs> right? And you're like, man, I ain't going up there. The person can't even speak English. I'm not getting prayer from him. Right? 
And there's these prejudices that can stand in the way, that can hinder the flow of the, of the anointing. From you, from, from, it can hinder you from even getting up and receiving it. And we as God's people, we've got to learn how to honor the anointing wherever it is found. Whether it's a rich person with a three-piece suit or whether it's somebody with ripped up jeans. We don't choose how the anointing is packaged. We just got to be discerning and go and honor the anointing wherever it's found. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're actually going to look at this passage. So leaders, please turn to Luke chapter 4. Our guests that don't have a copy of the ESV Bible, just look up to the PowerPoint. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to read all the way to verse 28. Let's check this out. Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unscrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll. Gave it back to the attendant. And sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, I'm not sure if he yelled it out. He said it loud enough for people to hear, okay. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. But then check out the next verse. And they said, wait a minute. Is not this Joseph's son? Right? And they're, they're talking among themselves. And so Jesus said to them, Doubtless you will quote to, to me this proverb, Physician, hear yourself. What we have heard you, we, what we have heard you did at Cap- Capernaum do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and a great famine came all over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. Verse 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. All right, look up at me. What could I possibly say right now on this mic that will make everybody in the room angry? I don't know, maybe if I like. what, What could I possibly say to make everybody filled with wrath? It's, pretty, it's a pretty difficult thing to do. Actually, I think it's kind of, it comes easy for me, but. No, it's a fairly difficult for everyone to be filled with wrath. And yet Jesus here, he says something, everyone, everyone's angry. Okay, why were they angry? Jesus describes here two Old Testament miracles. One was for the widow of Zarephath, and the other was for the name, uh, 
Naaman the Syrian, the leper. Now, why does Jesus mentioning these two miracles get everybody so riled up? Why were they so angry? Turn to your neighbor. Ask them that. Come on. Get engaged here. Come on. Why were they so angry? Tell me. Look, the people are angry because Jesus is saying that just as the Israelites missed out on the anointing of Elijah and of Elisha, the people of Nazareth were about to miss out on the anointing that was on him. That's what he's implying. The Israelites, you see, they didn't miss out because God just sovereignly passed over them. The Israelites missed out because they failed to honor the anointing of God's chosen servants. They failed to honor them. And Jesus is saying the reason why God sent Elijah to a widow in a foreign land, a person that wasn't even an Israelite, the reason why God sent Elijah to a foreign widow for a miracle It wasn't because there weren't any other starving widows in the land of Israel. But it's because the Israelites have failed to honor the anointing upon God's chosen prophet. And the reason why God sent Elisha to Naaman wasn't because there were no lepers in Israel. Jesus said there were plenty of lepers in Israel. But once again, it was because the Israelites failed to honor the anointing of God's chosen servants. Brothers and sisters, could it be that God is giving the same word to the churches of today? Think about it. There are a lot of churches out there that are familiar with Jesus. And they think they know everything there is to know about him. When they hear that Jesus is doing miraculous things in the nations and over at that city, there's a revival going on. When they hear these things and they hear about all the weird things that are going on with the healings and signs and wonders, they begin to say, how can this be? We all grew up with Jesus. We know Jesus. He didn't do that stuff when we were growing up. That can't be. That can't be. That can't be him. And we have this familiarity in the church that breeds contempt. And we fail to honor the anointing. So many churches, I'm telling you right now, are missing out on the powerful moves of God that are spreading on the earth. They're missing out because they're failing to honor the anointing. And the funny thing is, Pentecostals. Any Pentecost people grew up in Pentecostal denomination in here? Anybody? Sumbuamgiwe is a Pentecostal church. Assemblies of God. All right, right, okay, all right, nobody? Okay. I'm just busting on them. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm going to bust on them. Now, Pentecostal church, you know, they, they experienced a great outpouring. Back in the early 1900s. But, you know, when God starts doing new outpourings, 
and it's not through the people of their denomination, they start saying, man, that's, that's not God. We've seen and we experienced true revival. We're experts of revival. We know what, what, what it looks, looks like when the anointing's flowing. That's not the anointing. And they fail to honor the anointing just because they think they know it all. Well, I'm not just talking to the dry religious churches that, that haven't experienced the Holy Spirit's power. I'm just talking about even in the charismatic denominations and Pentecostal churches. There's stuff like this that goes on. And instead of the churches being discerning of where the anointing is flowing and honoring such ministries, they analyze and they reject such movements because they only see in the flesh. They only look at the signs. They only look through the natural eyes and they find it offensive. And they, so they fail to honor the anointing. They, there are some churches that are so focused on the extremes, on the abuses, that their ministries become centered on reacting to error and avoiding abuse. Come on, church. That is no way to lead the church. That is no way to lead the people of God. Ministry isn't supposed to be centered on reacting to error, but on responding to truth. Amen? The answer is not avoidance, but pursuit. Pursuit with discernment. Pursuit with balance. Hallelujah. It's not about fear. Oh, what if that's the devil? Oh, what if that's all just people being sensational? It's not about fear. It's about faith. And even if there are abuses, we must pursue the anointing wherever the Lord is moving and learn how to honor such people even when they're not perfect. But guess what? You can find imperfect people within your own ministry. How much easier it is to be critical of those outside your ministry. We got to learn how to eat the meat and throw out the bones. You know, I heard that when the U.S. government trains their employees to recognize fake bills, they get trained not by studying lots and lots of fake bills. They train them by Getting them very familiar with authentic ones. With authentic bills. And brothers and sisters, we can discern between the demonic, the flesh, and the anointing by studying the true moves of God. Let me ask you guys a question right now. How many of you guys know who John Alexander Dowie is? Raise your hand. All right, God bless you, Brady. All right. Who knows who Mariah Woodworth Eder is? There's a couple of you. Two, three. How many of you guys know who John G. Lake is? You really know what John G., who G., John G. Lake is? Okay. How many know Amy Semple McPherson? Okay, man. Man, I, I got maybe... Most three, four hands, but man, I get a lot of blank stares, right? How come you guys don't know who they are? Let me ask you, how come y'all don't know who they are? <laughs> Thank you, honey. 
Nobody told you, right? But if you, if you study these, these ministers, if you study their lives, man, they were some of the most anointed apostles, prophets, evangelists that ever lived. Amazing things would take place in their meetings, and amazing fruit was born through their ministries, especially Mariah Woodward Letter. And you guys know Amy Semple McPherson. If you guys know, uh, I think it's the Foursquare Church denominations. I think she helped um, find that denomination. It's a woman. It's a woman. By the way, Mariah Woodward Ether is also a woman. Wow. Yes, there's still Deborahs out there today. And they're advancing the kingdom of God with force. Now, let me ask you a different question. How many of y'all know who John, Jonathan Edwards is? Raise your hand. Jonathan Edwards. Okay, half of y'all. And the, and the rest of y'all who haven't been raising hands at all, okay, y'all need to go read your books. <laughs> How many of y'all know who John Wesley is? John Wesley. A good number of y'all. Okay. Okay. We know how to honor Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley. Why? Okay. Because they're of our denomination. That's why. Because they're of our denomination. If you're of an evangelical, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, similar stream that we came from. Well, actually, you know, I wouldn't say that they come from the same theological stream. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll love on John Wesley. He wasn't perfect. He, but God used him utterly. <laughs> Jonathan Edwards, man, he's a, smart, he's a smart guy. Smart man. Started Princeton University. Um. How come we know about these two anointed men, but we don't know about these other anointed ministers? Why? Because, I'll tell you why. Because our churches are prejudiced, that's why. Just because these people were not part of our denomination, your pastors and leaders and your seminaries probably never taught you about them. And some of these ministers, they had their own flaws and weaknesses but check it out man everybody's got flaws and weaknesses it's just a matter of whether they're discovered or not we as a church we have a lot of catching up to do in terms of studying true moves of God we're here trying to be judgmental and critical of current moves of God on the earth and you don't even know a single thing about John G. Lake you don't know what happened through Mariah Woodworth Eder. I'm reading this book. Man, turn, out, turn, out, turn on the volume a little bit. It's got some feedback. I'm reading this book called God's Generals. Awesome book. Robert Learden. Highly recommended. God's Generals. I'm not a big history buff, but my mentor, Brother Michael, said, you've got to get this book. And then when I was in Meriden, somebody was like, man, that is a good book. And I said, amen, that is a good book. I started reading it. It is a good book. It's an awesome book. It's not really a history book, per se. Because the guy, the author, he starts to preach. So you're going to be like, eh, this is not a history book. But you're like, hey, man, just receive it. He's, he's saying some good things. And he, and he talks about all these wonderful ministers of God. And when you really think about it, man, the church, we have failed to honor such ministers. You know, um, Bill Johnson was uh, telling a story of how he was at some conference. And some young man came up and said, hey, I'm a descent... I heard, and John, Bill Johnson had just talked about honoring 
the anointing and how there are like generational blessings and, and spiritual inheritances that are that are that you get when your grandparents or whoever goes before you and, and you know and um, he had given this message. This young man comes up to him and says, "You know, I don't know if this is of any worth, but uh, I'm like the grandson of Jonathan Edwards." But Bill Johnson said, "Pray for me right now." <laughs> the young man, just pray for Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson started shaking on the power of God. Okay. Another meeting. Someone came up to him and said, "Hey, uh, we're descendants of John G. Lake." And Bill Johnson said. You've got to pray for me. Because what you have, I need. And these people pray for him. And he, he said he's never shaken on the power of God like that. See, when you honor the anointing, when you honor the anointing, you get your miracle. You get your impartation. You get your breakthrough. And today I'm, I'm just I'm just making a real simple message so y'all can memorize it. Three different kinds of people that we can honor the anointing in. Number one, you gotta learn how to honor the anointing in the prophet. And when I say prophet, I mean any of the fivefold ministers. When you have a five-fold minister, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, or pastor, you have any of these five-fold ministers, they have a call on their, on their life, a mandate from God. And I'm telling you, man, with that calling comes gifts and anointings that are irrevocable. Hallelujah. You can be like Jonah and try to run away from it. Doesn't mean God's like, all right, you're going to run away? All right, give me them gifts back. Give me that anointing back. No. They're irrevocable. All right. And if you learn how to honor the anointing of a prophet, you're going to get blessed. Let me tell you that right now. You're going to get blessed. Elisha was an incredibly anointed prophet. He was anointed for miracles. But many lepers of his time missed their healing. Why? Because they didn't honor him. He just, he just looked like a regular Joe. Um, you know, I was at a wedding last year. I was at uh, Monica and Norberto's wedding. I was serving on their, uh, as one of Norberto's groomsmen. Uh, Monica is a sister that used to go to our church. And uh, she just married um, Heidi Baker's adopted son. His name is Norberto. And I remember um, I was just kind of waiting around, and we had to dress up in these suits, and we all had to wear coordinating pink ties, and we're sitting there. By the way, since I've been in Korea, I've embraced the color pink. Yeah. I, I used to think it was just uh, uh, not manly at all, but you know what? You know, if the eagles can wear pink ribbons for breast cancer, I can wear a pink tie for somebody's wedding. Hallelujah. Anyway, there was this... There was this gentleman from Africa. He was running around, and he was just such a happy guy. And he was all joking around with Roberto. He was just all being goofy. And I was just trying to have this serious ministry conversation with this other guy named Joe from San Francisco. And we're talking about, like, simple church movement. And we're like, I'm just kind of, like, picking his brain. 
I was having a serious conversation. Pastor Surprise was like, we got to get take pictures. Come on, everyone, get up, get up, get up, take pictures. Okay, come on, let's do this pose, and let's do that pose. And I was thinking, who is this goofy guy? Okay. About like five, six months later, I'm listening to a Bill Johnson podcast. And he goes, he mentions this guy named Pastor Surpresa. He starts talking about how Pastor Surpresa got prayed for by like Jack Hayford. And as he was getting prayed for, Jack Hayford prayed that he will get an anointing to raise the dead. Well, after he gets this prayer, he goes back to Mozambique, and guess what? He starts to raise the dead in unprecedented fashion. He's raising the dead, left and right, left and right, left and right. And there, there's, these are staff, you have to get certified. There's so many of these kinds of miracles that the ministry, they actually have a process of certifying whether it was a true raised from the dead miracle. Like, you've got to be dead for like... Six hours or something. You can't be dead for like five minutes. Oh, he's dead. He's dead. Let me pray. He raised. Oh, he came back to life. You know, that, they were like, that, that's not raised from dead. He was holding his breath or something. You know, so there's a way to, uh, anyway, this, this guy's pastor's appraiser, man. And then I'm a pastor's appraiser. Wait a minute. That was the home brother that was taking all them pictures and being all goofy. Now, if I knew then what I know now, out of him like, excuse me, Joe. Pastor Surprise, pray for me right now. I, I need what you got. Man, I would have been all up on this business. Lay hands, lay, lay feet. I don't care. Just lay something. Pray for me. But I, I didn't. I didn't. Why? Because I just, I just thought he was just one of Roberto's friends. You know, in the time, during the time the Gospels were written, there was a guy named John. And there were some people that recognized that he was a prophet. So they came out into the Jordan River to get baptized by him. But there were other people that came out just to watch. And they, they were like, should I get baptized too? And then their friends would be like, no way. Look at what he's wearing. I think it's like leopard skin or something. Camel's hair. Look, he's eating a locust. What kind of man is that? And they did not honor John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist had to honor somebody that was very hard for him to honor. You know why? Because he grew up thinking that Jesus was his cousin. Okay? So you grow up with Jesus, and Jesus is just your cousin. You know, the guy that you wrestle with when you come over for Thanksgiving? You know, John and Jesus, they were just, they were just cousins. And then one day the Holy Spirit says, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The person that, on whom the Holy Spirit descends, he will not baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And John gets this word, and there he's like, my cousin? Right? Well, guess what John did? He humbled him. Can you imagine your cousin? Like, just think of one of your cousins. And think of, like, the most goofiest cousin. And think of him. All of a sudden, he's, like, raised up to be this powerful evangelist. And then God tells you, go get prayer from him next week. 
And so you're like, hey, yo, cuz, yo, yo, cuz, yo, let's meet up for lunch. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just want get, to get lunch, you know. And then you guys grab lunch, and then somewhere during lunch, you, you feel compelled, and so you humble yourself. Can you imagine humbling yourself and getting prayer from your cousin over lunch? Well, that's kind of like what John the Baptist had to do with Jesus. But guess what? John the Baptist humbled himself, followed the leading of the Spirit, and he honored the anointing that was on Jesus. And God used him to propel Jesus into his public ministry. Now, you guys might be like, well, if Jesus walked in here today, I will be the first one up getting prayer from him. Okay, I don't know if you would have. You know why? Because Jesus was a carpenter. He looked like a carpenter. He probably dressed like a carpenter. He wasn't scrawny. He had muscle. Because carpenters lift heavy things. They fix roofs. Roofs. Can roof be a plural word? I haven't been out of college too long. Hallelujah. He's a strong guy. If he walked in here, he would look like the maintenance the maintenance deacon of Cam. That's what he would look like. How many of y'all, how many of y'all in here ask the maintenance deacon of the KM for prayer? Who's done that? Okay. Exactly. And a lot of the religious rulers of that time, they just could not honor Jesus because they were only looking in the flesh. And while that was happening, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, they were flooding over to get prayer, to get healing, to get deliverance from the anointing of Jesus. Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth, he once said, I'm a thousand times bigger in the inside than on the outside. Hallelujah. That's me right there. (laughs) On the outside, I may not look very impressive. But let me tell you right now, last year in 2009, the people who were most blessed through my ministry were the ones that looked beyond my height and my hair or lack thereof. And just like the woman with the issue of blood, they put a demand on my anointing. And God released impartation. God released healing. God released miracles through my ministry. And I'll tell you who they were. They were the young people of ECF in Melbourne. They were the teens at Passion Overdrive Revival Service. They were the young college students at the New Life Battlefield Retreat. They didn't care what I looked like. They just wanted their miracle. They just wanted the fire. They wanted the anointing that's in me. And that's what they got. And their lives were changed. You know, when I was over at the Voice of the Apostles Conference in October, I was just standing in line to get lunch. And some people... They recognized the anointing that was on me. And they asked for prayer right within the line. And God blessed them. One time, Aaron and I, we were standing to get on the bus. And there was this big 
black ajuma. It's African-American ajuma. She's like, you know, she's big. Like, you know, she's strong. And her name was Dosonea. Dosonea. And I, all I did was take out a stick of gum, and I was just eating the gum, and then the smell of the gum got into her nose, and she's like, is that gum? Can I, can I get some? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just struck up a conversation. And what in the natural looked like just some African-American ajuma, some middle-aged woman that was just there at the conference. When we started to look through the Holy Spirit, God said to my heart, he said, she's an apostle. I said, oh, wow. Then I need to get prayer from her later. God said, I want you to get prayer from her later. There's prophetic words that she's going to release into your ministry. And so after the service, I looked all around, and I finally found Dosnea. And I said, Dosnea, will you pray for me? She said, come up here, young man, come up here. And she just started laying hands, and boom, man. I just felt like the waves of like electricity going through my body. And I'm not one to physically manifest. I, mean, I could just feel whoosh. I felt like, like, like just things were going through my body. It was just like energy. And she was just saying all these prophetic words. It was just building me up. Just building me up. And God said, look what you could have missed out on if you only judged in the flesh. Because she's an ajuma. <laughs> because, because she's black. But she's not Korean. Because she's not a speaker at the conference. Because she's just standing in line asking for gum. Look what you could have missed out on. And I said, Lord, I'm sure I am glad I just followed, followed your spirit. Brothers and sisters, we need to create a culture here at this church where we are unafraid to honor and lift people up. If somebody has a five-fold ministry call, we got to honor the anointing that's in them. Help nurture them. Right? That's how we receive the grace of an apostle, prophet evangelist, teacher, and pastor. When we recognize and honor such people publicly, you know, tonight we have a wonderful opportunity to honor the ministers of God, to honor the leadership of this church. We have a leadership banquet tonight. If you're new, feel free to stay. It's going to be at 6 o'clock. We're going to have it right here in here, and we're just going to honor the leaders of the banquet. It don't matter if you don't know any of the leaders, but we invite you to come. Come, and, you know, there'll be dinner and, and stuff. And uh, tonight's a wonderful opportunity to honor the leadership of this church. I'm telling you, when you honor a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. When we serve and we bless a prophet or any other faithful minister, we get that prophet's reward. If you want an example of this, look to 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha. He's traveling through, and there is this foreign woman, a Shunammite woman, a Shunammite woman. And she recognizes that he's a man of God. So she tells her husband, hey, husband, that's a man of God. Let's bake him something to eat. So when he's passing through, she offers him some food. And Alicia's, you know, hungry and whatnot, so he, he takes the food. Then the next time he's, he's going through the town... She, she kicks it up a notch and says, honey, let's prepare a room for him. 
So he doesn't have to go to the hotel. He doesn't have to go to an inn. He can just stay in our house. And then maybe, maybe, maybe we can ask him for something, and God will do it for us. Right? And so they prepared this like, room in the attic. And so Elisha's going, next time he goes through the town, the Shunammite woman's like, hey, 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 man of God, hey, hey, come on, come on over. My name's Elisha, I don't care. Uh, you're just a man of God, just come with me, come on. <laughs> Feeds him, houses him. So, you know, guess what Elisha does? He says, man, you have treated me really well. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? And the Shunammite woman said, my, my husband's old. I don't have a son. So Elisha said, by this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And then the Shunammite woman said, <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to me. And guess what? A year later, she had a son in her arms. When you serve and you bless a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. You get a miracle. You get a breakthrough. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, man, this is just the way God set it up. If you want those breakthroughs, you've got to learn how to honor these kinds of fivefold ministers. Number two, you've got to learn how to honor the anointing in your neighbor. Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell him, I've got to learn how to honor you. You got an anointing. Hey, introduce yourself. Man, Doug, you have an anointing. David, you have an anointing. I don't know what it is. You know, honoring the anointing in a neighbor is not easy. Just like the people of Nazareth found out, when you are with a best friend you've known all your life, or you're with a sibling, or with a parent, or a cousin, it takes a lot of humility to honor the anointing that that person is carrying. Uh, if I found out, and God started to reveal to me, go up to your sister and have her lay hands on you today. Okay? I would do it, but it would be hard. <laughs> Nuna, are you here today? Oh, she's over there? All right, she's right there. I know you're listening. Thank you for the tie. By the way, today, man, this morning, I, I was driving out, and you know what? God just said, thank everybody. And I was like, what? What's that mean? So I looked down at what I was wearing, and I realized, thank you, New Philly, for this new suit that you guys got me last, last year for my birthday. Okay. Thank you, Melissa Choi, for these shoes, very expensive shoes. I would have never bought them with my own money. What else did I have, honey? Oh, yeah, I had a coat on, and that was from Aaron's mom. Thank Aaron's mom. And then my sister got me this new tie for Christmas. Nice tie, huh? All right. It's Burberry. Come on, now. That's a nice tie, all right? I will never buy a Burberry tie. I'll be intimidated even to go inside the store. They'll be like, welcome. I'll be like, Goodbye. You know, there's some stores like that. Man. If God told me to go up to her and get prayer from her, man, I would do it, but it would be hard, right? It would be hard. It's hard to honor the anointing in your neighbor. 
or when you meet a stranger you don't know very well. You probably don't ask them to pray for you. And the Holy Spirit says, get prayer from that person. You will probably be like, oh, I don't know them, Lord. And you probably resist and then you wiggle your way out. Or if you do get prayer, you obey, your expectation is probably not that high. You know, when I was at the Voice of the Apostles Conference back in October, I went out of the way to get prayer from Bill Johnson. Okay, what it was, there was all this like crazy commotion and going on in the front. All these people were what's called drunk in the Holy Spirit. Okay, when people, when you've never seen this before, let me just tell you. It just looks like people are just drunk. Okay, there's people drunk everywhere. And you know, and I, God's not manifesting that way in me. And I'm just, I'm just sober and I'm just up there. And, and then I go up there with, with my wife and my wife, you know, she can't even like step to the altar because the moment she does, she's like, she flies back. She's on the ground, and then, and then I'm just kind of waiting. And then somehow Aaron went up and got prayer for from Bill Johnson. I said, what? How is my wife going to get prayer from Bill Johnson and I missed out? This is not happening, Lord. Lord, I need to get to Bill Johnson right now. Park the red seat. And I started pushing people out the way. All right? And I'll tell you, I was the last person he prayed for that night. And I, I went up to him. I got mad nervous. Man, Bill Johnson's gangster. He was just like, he's chewing his gum and he's kind of chop, chop. He's just praying. Yeah, and then he starts saying prophetic words. Okay, all right. He was real calm. You know, he was like mad gangster. He looked mad intimidating. And I was like, uh, Mr. Johnson. I mean, Bill, 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 Bill Mr. Johnson. Can, can, I'm, 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 I'm pastor in Korea. Uh, I'm doing like an English ministry. And then he's like, What do you want? I, I just want you. Uh, can you pray for me? Pray for me. So he prayed for me. And nothing much happened. I, I didn't feel nothing. You know, I just received it in faith. Sometimes you just got to receive it in faith, right? But I received it in faith. And then there was another gentleman right next to him, this guy named Joe, this young kid, maybe like 21 years old. And he's standing there, and he's like, hey, hey, man. He's got this curly hair. He's like, hey, man, can I pray for you too? And I was like, man, who are you? <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> but I felt like the Holy Spirit is like, humble yourself. Get him to pray for you. So I was like, all right, man, I, I, I can get you to pray for me. Pray for my healing. I'm, I'm praying for, I'm, I got this bad indigestion, and, and uh, when I burp, it stinks really bad. And I just, I, that's not from the heaven. I just need to get healing. Can you heal? And he prayed for healing for me. So he's like, yeah, man, yeah, I'm really excited. Let me pray for you. So he just prayed with all this zeal. It was so much more zeal than Bill Johnson gave me. And he just prayed, and, and I just felt so blessed by Joe's prayer. But later on, I realized, man, I, I got some pride in me because my expectation wasn't that high compared to, you know, Bill Johnson. And you know, it, it is different. Obviously, it is different. But the thing was, I wasn't willing to really get prayer from Joe at all, you know. When we meet a fivefold minister, we got to go after what these anointed men have. Just like the woman with the issue of blood who reached out. And she said, if I touch the hem of Jesus' robe, I will be healed. So all she did was reach out, and she just touched the hem of his robe. And the Bible says power, virtuous power, anointing power flowed into her body, and her bleeding stopped on the spot. She was healed. 
That's called putting a demand on the anointing. We got to learn how to put a demand on the anointing. When you meet a, a man of God, you meet an anointed man of God, you got you to gotta, you gotta be like, Andreas Bissoni, you got to like go up to him and like shove people out the way. I need some prayer. Okay? I mean, reasonably, you don't want to actually <laughs> shove people out the way. But the thing is, we got to also humble ourselves and learn how to put a demand on the anointing of your neighbor. Because maybe it's not, God won't give you the same thing that he would through a five-fold minister. But guess what? Maybe you're, you, you have the flu for a whole week. And instead of getting prayer from the pastor or the lead pastor, God's just like, turn to your neighbor who you just met who's from California. Get them to pray for you. And you're just like, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. Come on. And you just feel that tug, you know what I'm saying? And we will humble ourselves. We will have no problem with that. We will be happy with that word. We got to learn how to honor the anointing in our neighbor. I want you to turn to your neighbor once again and say, you got something I need. The last person whose anointing we have to learn how to honor is you. The third and last person we got to really learn how to honor the anointing in is you. So, you know, sometimes we disqualify ourselves from ministering to other people because we look at ourselves in the flesh. We only see our weaknesses. We only see our weaknesses, inadequacies, faults, failures. And we don't know how to honor ourselves. When Jesus got up in Luke chapter 4 and he said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What was the scripture that was being fulfilled? It was Isaiah 61. It was a scripture that the anointing of the Spirit was upon him. See, Jesus knew how to honor the anointing that was in him. He wasn't boasting like some people probably thought. He was just being real and honest about what he has. And guess what? You also have something that's very real. Whether you, you're called to a five-fold ministry or whether you're just called to be a lay leader. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, they will be called priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. All of God's people, through the cross, we have a royal priesthood. We have done away with the priest system. Why? Because we are all priests in Christ. We are all ministers. Turn that phone off. Okay. <laughs> No, we love you. We love you, whoever it is. That needs to really turn off. All right, thank you. Hallelujah. All right, no, we love you. We love you. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't, don't be nervous. I love y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> you know, Alicia, he also honored the anointing that was on his life. When he heard about Naaman's situation, you know what he said? He said, 
have Naaman come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Right? There are some of you in here. You have a full-time ministry call. You have that call on your life. And you got to start honoring the anointing that's on your life. Do you know what I'm saying here? Because it's been held up long enough. You are robbing the people of God from ministry, from breakthroughs, from miracles that you're supposed to release. Some have an anointing for ministry. Others have an anointing for business, for education, for the arts and entertainment. These are all anointings that come from God, by the way. Every anointing that is from God is an anointing from God. <laughs> I thought... I thought I had something. Y'all know what I mean. Just because it's in a different industry, just because it's not in quote unquote full time ministry, doesn't mean it's not an anointing from God. You know, some of y'all, I mean, I'm a full time minister as a pastor, but I have an anointing for technology. Ever since I was in seventh grade, I noticed, I noticed there's an anointing on my hands for technology. I didn't know nothing about computers, but every time I would put my hands on computers, I could fix them, I, I knew how they worked. My uncles would always call me over to fix their computers. When I, when I was a freshman at NYU, the first thing I got was a job as, as like the tech guy for these different departments while I was at NYU. I, I went to three different departments, being the webmaster and the tech guy. And even to this day, I get amazed. And I, I'll start boasting to my... I'm not boasting, I'm just being real. Uh, <clears throat> and I'll just tell them, I, you know, just for fun, just for fun. I'll tell my staff, I'll be like, and they'll be like, we can't get the printer to work. And I'd be like, just watch this. It's, it's real cool. I don't know how it works, but watch. But I just go like this. Now, did you try turning it on and off? They'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, let me try. I turn it on, off, and on. Oh, you got something with your computer? Let me, let me, let me see the computer. I, 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 just, I just touch it. Sometimes Aaron's seen this. Sometimes I just go, bam, and it actually like, starts working. I'm not, I'm not playing. That's how Aaron fell in love with me. <laughs> now, one time we were like, what were we doing? We were doing like IMing, we're chatting, honey, or something like that. We're over the phone. We were chatting, and I just wrote BAM in capital letters. And what was, what was not working? Yeah, something was not working on our, on our TV or our computer or something. And then the moment I wrote BAM, she's like, whoa, it's, it's working. How'd you do that? I, was like, I don't know how it works. I just got it. I'm not playing with y'all. This is real. There's a, there's a real anointing. Some of y'all have something like that. You have an anointing for teaching. You have an anointing for entertainment, for film. You have an anointing for, for journalism. You have an anointing for writing. People like what you write. Learn how to honor the anointing that's on your life. Because look, if we're going to, going back a couple of weeks ago, if we're going to climb the seven mountains, if we're going to disciple nations for the kingdom of God, we got to learn how to honor the anointing, whether it's on the religion mountain or the family mountain or the education mountain. Look, I'll tell you right now, I do not have an anointing to be a father. Everybody asks me, like a real physical father too, like you know, having a baby. I don't have an anointing to have a baby. How do I know this? I go over to my friends' places and they just got a baby. And then they say, hey, Christian, let, let's see something funny. Hey, have Christian hold a baby. <laughs> They think it's hilarious because when I hold the baby, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm like, 
I hold it like a football. They're like, it's not a football. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, I got, it's, it's, you know, but when I, I'll tell you, when, when that baby comes, comes out, <laughs> when, when that baby is born, I know that God's going to provide me with an anointing for that season. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, if you are, if you are a parent and you, you are like a grand, you're like a little older now, like when you become grandparents, you look back and you'll be like, man, I can't take care of them kids. You know, I can't take care of my grandkids. Why, why, why would you say that? Because you had an anointing to be a parent at one stage in your life and that anointing has gone. And you're just thinking, man, I would, I would, could not go back to those days. I'm telling you, there is an anointing and anointing just simply means like an, a, a power or an ability that comes from God as a gift that helps you to be good at what you do. So when I, when I preach, when the anointing is flowing, I preach well. When, it, when, it, when I block up the anointing, if I do something that, you know, unforgiveness or something that is blocked up, then you're going to notice it. But guess what? You, it also is for your, your mountain. For your mountain. Some of y'all need to get out of the hog one. Because that's, that's not your calling. Maybe it's a temporary job, and you know that. But other people, y'all have an anointing for teaching. And if you would depend on the Lord, man, you're teaching. Your students will be the brightest students of the entire Hagwan. They will get into Harvard, Yale, and Brown, okay, and then they all come back and thank you and give you gifts. <laughs> it's an anointing. We've got to learn how to... Honor the anointing that's in our lives. Do you know what the word Christian means? Christian, in college, one of my best friends used to say, you know, Christian, one of the meanings for Christian is little Christ. Christian, you're like a little Christ. We kind of have feelings at one point, but nothing happened. Honey. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, she, she would call me little Christ. She's a, she should call me Little Christ. Now, what does what does Christ mean? What does the word Christ mean? Right, it comes from the comes from the Greek word for Christos. Simply means anointed one. The word Christ means anointed one. So, if we are little Christ, that means we're little anointed ones. Christ, you see, when he went to the cross and he ascended back to heaven, the Bible says he gave gifts to men. The gifts and the anointings that Jesus demonstrated and carried while he was on this earthly ministry, they were distributed to the church. So the plan to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God, that plan does not come through Jesus cloning himself. And sending 10,000 Jesuses onto the earth, okay? The better plan is to give you the anointing that Jesus had carried. But the, but the terrible thing is, many of us, we smother that anointing. We deny that anointing. We fight that anointing. And we say, we're not gifted. I'm not talented. DJing. What does DJing have to do with the kingdom of God? Rapping, what does rapping have to do with dancing, hip-hop dance? What does hip-hop dance have to do with the kingdom of God? But guess what? Guess what? Who is affecting the young culture, the young people of Korea? 
Who's affecting them? Okay. Big Bang. <laughs> to anyone. So, uh, <laughs> Who's affecting them? It's the hip-hop dancers. They don't even have to sing well. They just have to look good and dance well. And young people, they're just, they just love them. And whether those girls like it or not, they have influence. What does hip-hop dancing have to do with the kingdom of God? I'll tell you right now. That's an anointing God gave me to dance. Look at me. I can't dance, okay? <laughs> There's no anointing on me for dancing. <laughs> Brother Teo, where are you? Brother Teo, man. You remember Brother Teo from Thanksgiving banquet? He's not here, but man, that home, homie, he has an anointing to dance. So, man, you know, I only have four pages of notes. I was determined to make it 30 minutes, but we just went over an hour. So let's just keep going. Hallelujah. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. God anointed Jesus. God anointed Debbie. God anointed Danny. God anointed Sam. God anointed Paul. God anointed Jerry. With the Holy Spirit and power. And they went around doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Brothers and sisters, let us honor the anointing. Let us honor the anointing. Because that is the Father's heart. It's to create a culture of honor in his people. Princes and princesses, they treat each other a certain way. I don't care if it's hard, but let's, let's aim for it. I don't care if you fail. Let's keep aiming for it. Close your eyes with me right now. I want you right now... Let me, I want you right now. Fine, let me get some on the keyboard. Keyboard. I want you to pair up. I want you all to get a little uncomfortable. Pair up. And what you're all going to do is I want you all to take turns praying for each other. Put, put your hand on their shoulder, and I want you to – you can ask for their prayer requests if you want. Maybe there's a particular breakthrough that they've been asking for. Maybe they're just in here and, and they just feel so distant from God and they see the passion of the people and they just want that passion. You may be the one that will release that fire in them today. 
But I want you to pair up. And I don't want you to pray at the same time. I don't want you to pray together at the same time. I want you to take turns praying for each other. And I want you all to listen to the prayers that that other person is making. I don't care if it doesn't sound fancy, if it doesn't sound spiritual. All right? Put a demand on their anointing. Be like that woman with the issue of blood. God's going to give me something through you today. I want you to pray pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me like you got the anointing and you believe that you got it. Right? Put a demand on your neighbor's anointing. And then you flip it around. When it's your turn, you put a demand and you honor the anointing that God has put in you. And when you pray for that other person, you say, I'm blessing you with something that's real. Because there's an anointing that's in me. I am a little anointed one. And you will be blessed. Amen. I forget who told this story, but it's an awesome story. There's this pastor. I forget which pastor it was. A little, little seven-year-old, seven or ten-year-old kid went up to him and said, uh, what was it, Pat? Was it Chris Bolotton? Anyway, I forget who it was. I say it was Pastor Chris, right, at Bethel Church. And the little kid came up to him and said, Pastor, 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 I got to pray for you. The little pastor's like, oh, cute kid. All right, go ahead, pray for me. Right? And the little kid said, he was like real quiet, and all of a sudden he goes, Behold the great God. Behold the greatness of his kindness. Blessings on you. Amen. Or something like that. It was like a, like a real simple prayer. And the funny thing is, that pastor got really ministered to. Because that was a theme that God was touching in his heart at that time. Through a little 7, 10-year-old kid. Hey, y'all, y'all need to be like, you need to learn something from that little kid. Put a, honor the anointing that's in you. And bless your neighbor today. I want you guys to pair up, pair up. Introduce yourselves if you need to. We're going to give you guys about 10 minutes to do this. Take turns and go ahead and pray for each other.